everyone. I hope you and yours are feeling healthy and well during this coronavirus pandemic. For this episode and the foreseeable upcoming episodes, the podcast is going to have a more raw and unpolished sound. Our dear friend and amazing podcast producer, Catherine, is suffering from the effects of the coronavirus. In addition, her neighborhood has been severely impacted. And as you know, we're located in the hotbed, New York State, and we are suffering over here. And unfortunately, she is suffering. So we're going to have a different sound. Please bear with us and please keep her in your thoughts. Please send good energy Catherine's way. And um, I'm sending good energy to all of you out there. All right, here's the episode. Are you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer. This is Affordable Interior Design, the podcast. Here's your host, Betsy Hellman. Hi, everybody. How you doing? How is it going? Tough time, weird time, but I am here podcasting for you because... I tell you what, as a podcast lover, I need content during this time. My favorite podcasts have gone dormant for a while or haven't been publishing regularly, and really, who could blame them? But for podcasts, for content creators who can publish regularly, it is such a gift. I can't tell you how much I love the distraction of listening to a favorite podcast right now, how excited I get to find out about a new show that I can binge watch. I'm just clinging to content at this time. Do you find yourself doing the same? I'm also excited about learning some new things. You know, I'm sitting at home or I'm sitting in my storefront and I have a lot more time on my hands than I used to have. And I'm really excited. I'm going to start a class on automations to automate my business even more. So that way, when we are up and running, I'm able to do so with a little more ease. I'm able to um, get my technology to do a little more heavy lifting for me so that I don't have to rely as much on my own time or my employees time. Are there skills or things that you're hoping to learn or to take a deeper dive in during this strange pause? 
Maybe you've already dreamed of becoming an interior designer. Maybe that's why you're listening to this podcast. You're trying to figure out if it's possible for you or you have a passion for it. Well, you should go to affordableinteriordesign.com backslash academy because now is a great time to consider going to the Affordable Interior Design Academy. It's not right for everyone, but if you want to be a residential retail interior designer who takes your own clients, it may be the perfect fit. There's a quiz at affordableinteriordesign.com slash academy that will help you to determine what your next step is in your interior design passion. Is it starting your own business? Is it working for somebody else? Is it going a different route completely? Or should this just be a hobby for you? I've crafted this quiz to give you straight answers to complicated questions. So please go there and check it out. And if it seems the Academy might be right for you, I am offering pro, excuse me, I am offering a promotion right now. I am giving 15% off with promo code podcast to my podcast list listeners, because as Seth Godin said, um, famous marketer and thought leader, he said, now is a perfect time to learn something new, to really immerse yourself in a passion or a new area of study. That way, when things are up and running, you can be up and running with your new idea and you will have had this downtime to fully immerse yourself. So check it out. Let me know if you think it's a fit and uh, don't forget to use promo code podcast at checkout to get 15% off our academy. All right, let's segue to your questions today. We are going to kick it off with a question from Beth. Beth writes, hi, Betsy. I've recently discovered and binge listened to your podcast. Last year, we moved into a home with no interior design soul. We have the intention of updating it to a fresh and classic room going room by room. I'm new to design and I've quickly become overwhelmed trying to balance a classic and timeless white kitchen on the expensive hard finishes while wanting to incorporate my own style. After all, it's my hard earned money and I'm the one who has to live here. So I want to love it. I am fearful of plain white on white on white. I'm worried that I'll spend a bunch of money for a result that falls flat. In my dream future, we will keep this property as a renter when we are ready to upgrade homes and neighborhoods. Either way, I want a look that's appealing to mass buyers or that won't need updating for quite some time in the case that we have tenants. The home was built in 2013, but it is a craftsman-inspired exterior and somewhat on the trim and woodwork and the interior. I am hoping to remove the asymmetrical cabinets that flank the range, and I'm wanting to add some symmetrical open shelves on either side of the new slide-in range, and I want to add sconces above, like in the photo I've attached. Here's what we've done so far. We have white subway tile that varies from gray to ivory to grayish to off-white with pewter grout. We have a very quiet patterned quartz called Cabrini that has extremely subtle stone-like variation for the countertops. And we use Sherman, Sherwin-Williams pure white or Benjamin Moore's white dove for the cabinets and trim throughout. We're using Sherwin-Williams pewter green for the island or maybe all the cabinets. 
and polished brass mid-century inspired hardware like pendant lights from Schoolhouse Electric. I'm hoping the flair and warmth of the brass hardware will elevate the neutral palette enough. Do you think my hopes are in vain? Am I on the right track or is it just too much white? I want to be conservative, but also end up with a result that can be loved for years to come. I would be internally grateful for your feedback or your suggestions. Thank you. Signed, Paralysis by Analysis, otherwise known as Beth. Beth, I am here to help. When you are doing an architectural change, like a kitchen, like a bathroom, when you are choosing those renovation fixtures that need to be cohesive with the renovation fixtures in the rest of the home, you need to do so with a discerning and holistic eye. Now, if you're going to be here less than two years, I'm sorry, less than 10 years, excuse me. If you're going to be here less than 10 years, you want to be thinking about resale or that rental value. You want to be thinking about something that appeals to a lot of people. If you're going to be here, if this is going to be your primary residence for more than 10 years, design it whichever way you want, because it's going to be out of date. It's going to look very dated after 10 years anyway, no matter if it's in good condition or it's not. Now, the one thing that concerns me is that you're looking to impose a very strong style. You know, Schoolhouse Electric is a lighting company and they sell light fixtures that have a very loud presence. They're really cool. They're usually fairly geometric. <clears throat> they can read quite industrial. They can read retro. They can read mid-century. But your cabinets in your existing kitchen have this crown molding on top that reads quite transitional. Now, you're going to paint the cabinets and that will help. And they do have just a plain shaker front. So that's going to be easy to change. I don't think you're doing anything too strong or too specific. I think it's a look that a lot of people would like. It does make me a little nervous when you say that we're making selections for renters. I could see making selections for resale if you were going to sell in the next three to five years. But for renters, they're really looking at different things. It doesn't have to completely embrace their personality. They're understanding that this is a temporary space. So I wouldn't be afraid to make strong choices there. I'm just worried that you are getting kind of a mix of styles. And sometimes people find inspiration photos, which I think are great and essential when doing a renovation. But the problem could be with inspiration photos that the architecture of the house and the inspiration photo doesn't at all relate to the architecture of your home. And that's what I'm a little bit conflicted by here is that the pendants that you've chosen are so geometric and they appear to have a silver finish on the base that I'm worried that by bringing in brass hardware on the cabinetry, it's going to look like you have a whole lot of ideas. You're using a whole lot of trends, but it's not cohesive. And that is the kiss of death and a renovation. You want everything to look cohesive. On the flip side, you don't want it to be so cohesive that it's all white on white on white. Because as you've heard me say before, if you've been binge listening to the podcast, then you know that when you add white tiles with white countertops, with white paint, nothing looks truly white. 
nothing looks fresh because they're all different variations of white. So if you're going to do a white backsplash tile, I would not do white cabinetry. If you're going to do white cabinetry, which you might be set on and I think would really update this space, then go for a subtle gray tile. Go for a color. Maybe this is the place where you get funky and add your personality because a backsplash is relatively easy to swap out when you compare it to a countertop or a cabinet color, which is not going to be easily changed. I don't want you to dampen your spirit. I don't want you to extinguish your own design vision and personality so that you can appeal to more renters or ultimately appeal to a buyer when and if you decide to do that. I completely agree with you. Embrace the now. Make this a space that you're excited about. And I bet you that a renter will get excited about it too. All right. Let me see if there were other questions here. No, I think that pretty much covered it. So Beth, I want you to infuse a little bit of your soul into the space without getting so caught up in trends and looks and Pinterest boards that you forget to be cohesive in this space. That's just my takeaway for you. All right, let's move on to my next question. Next question comes from Jacqueline. Jacqueline writes, hi, Betsy. First of all, thank you from Chicago. One year ago, I wrote in with a question about layout and I've been meaning to send you progress photos for ages. Your response helped me make the most of my half bedroom apartment. And I love spending time at home. Though it's rarely magazine ready, it has become a colorful little haven that functions as my art studio, hosting space, Space and my place to recharge. I have a few questions for you, mostly regarding my kitchen. It is unfortunately the largest and least used room in my home, and I do want to give it some love. There is a small room for a breakfast table and chairs, but is getting one worth it if I'm going to be moving in a year? I don't want to crowd the space, and I tend to eat in the living room anyway. Is there a better place? an atmosphere for a comfy couch. Okay, so I think we're segueing from the eat-in kitchen to the living room. I'd also like to bring in more color and privacy to the kitchen with drapes. I know you don't like drapes for a kitchen, but I hate the look of ugly plastic blinds, and it seems a waste to invest in something nicer. What about cafe drapes, which cover half of the window? Or should I just suck it up and get cheap blinds and find a colorful rug to fulfill my color need? Have you tried those fake stick-on backsplash tiles? Do you recommend them for renters? Okay, okay, let me, let me just dig in here. So first of all, I love that you are loving your space. I love that you're finding, you know, the small space to be multifunctional for you, that you're excited to entertain and that you've noticed that the changes you've made are helping. Great. That being said, there are some ways that we can improve upon this space. Now, if you are not going to sit in the kitchen and eat, don't get a table and chairs in there. Hello. You know, a lot of people especially as somebody who lived alone for many, 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 many years. It's aspirational to have an eat-in kitchen and to have a table in there, especially if you have enough room to do so. But you're there alone. Like, don't you want to watch TV or look out a nice window or have something compelling to look at? Unless you like to sit at the kitchen table and watch your iPad or read the newspaper. If you're not going to do those things, if you're going to find yourself gravitating back towards the space that's more visually stimulating and interesting, 
don't bother getting a table and chairs just because other people would have one in this space or it'd be functional for other people or you have the room to do it doesn't mean you should do it. Think about function before you go spending on things and thinking about what would make it pretty, right? So that's my thought on that. Let's get back to your next question. You'd like to bring in more color and privacy with the kitchen drapes. Now, I do not like drapes in the kitchen because they get a lot of grease and stuff and it's hard to clean them and they just get caked and yucky, yucky, yucky. If you can't wipe it down in a kitchen, like a plastic blind or a wood slatted blind, you should not have one. Um... You could also do like a roller blind. You need something that can be easily cleaned because it just gets gunky. Even if you're not cooking every single day, you will find that there is a buildup. You will find that fabric in a kitchen can collect smells. It is not ideal. And cafe curtains, no, 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 no. Those are dated and weird and look like a country aesthetic, which is fine in the country, right? Or it's fine if that is your personal aesthetic or style, because there certainly is a time and place for it. But in a Chicago apartment with modern and contemporary furniture, uh, no, it's just a no. So cafe curtains, nope. I would, if you feel you need privacy, get blinds again, that you can wipe down. And if you feel that you don't need privacy, I would leave these untreated because uh, there's just a lot going on in this kitchen. All right, let me get back to your next question where you ask. I'd also like to... Mm-mm-mm. Oh, the fake backsplash tiles. Yes, so they're called tile tattoos especially on square tiles that are large format, um, like three by three, they come in lots of custom sizes or you can even trim them to size. Now you have small mosaic tiles that are more like one inch by one inch. And I am afraid that those tile tattoos are not gonna look nice in here. Like by trimming them up to such small pieces, I think it's going to be somewhat compromised. Now you are an artist, so you're probably able to trim things with accuracy. Maybe you just get some colorful contact paper and put the colorful contact paper over certain squares that you find to be less compelling than others. This backsplash, as I mentioned, is a mosaic that appears to have tones of ivory, taupe, beige, and like a deeper type brown. And if you're not digging the deeper type browns, maybe cover up those with a colorful contact paper, right? Because you perhaps, unlike some less artistic listeners, can probably get that to be a very straight, perfect square but you're also a renter. And so you can't go doing something like painting these tiles or chipping them out and putting in new tiles. They do have stick-on backsplashes that look like real tile. However, you already have tile back there and those don't stick well to pre-existing tile. So it's either the contact paper or leave well enough alone. In a kitchen and in a bathroom, what people want to know most is not that it's impeccably designed. They want to know that it's clean. So get it to be clean and fresh looking first as a priority in terms of working on storage so that the surfaces aren't cluttery, working on just 
cleaning up what you can do because as many of us former renters or current renters know, it's hard to make a space feel fresh when there's been dozens of other people living with those same cabinets, with those same countertops. So just get everything as clean and clutter-free as you can. Then worry about layering and color and cute decor. Let's see, did I get to everything there? Oh, you had a little PS. So Jackie, you wrote PS. I'm thrilled to hear about your upcoming YouTube channel, but I'd also like to mention how grateful I am for a podcast that translates such a visual topic into something that I can listen to at work. You do a fantastic job and I look forward to more episodes, even if I'm in line for a Betsy Smackdown. I really appreciate that, Jackie. And yes, my YouTube channel is launching this month, April, and I'm really excited for it. I'll be sharing a lot of information about it as I move along and get more episodes loaded there, but I cannot wait to share pictures. I think they'll really augment my advice and help to bring this um, advice to life, frankly. Speaking of Betsy Smackdown, I'm just going to give you a couple other pointers. You know, I can't help myself when you guys send me pictures of other spaces. Well, I'm going to solve those problems too. Jackie, it is really bothering me that your drapes do not go all the way down to the floor. They're about six inches off the floor in the living room. And while I love the bold splash of peacock teal, it's really a problem that they're not going a little bit further down. The other thing that I think is a little bit of a problem is that you have the biggest piece of artwork that I can see in this space over, well, not much. I'd rather the biggest piece of artwork be over the sofa so that it feels more in balance and creates somewhat of a focal point with that sofa because you do have some lovely art here, which is such a tremendous asset. Uh, and I really want you to do a better job of showing it off. So I would hang that canvas painting that features the blue the tomato reds, the yellow ochres, I would hang that over your blue sofa. And I think that will really bring the whole thing to life. You've got a desk here butted up against the sofa. And I guess you're sort of using it as an end table as well as a desk. But for me, that's totally not working. Now, maybe you're doing that because you want to look out the window while you're at the desk. But for me, I'd rather you just move the desk over next to the window than butt it up against the sofa because it's really strange that the sofa arm is say 26 inches off the ground and the desk is say 29 inches off the ground. It looks very strange and oddly placed and I think just by moving that desk either against the wall that it's closest to now or over by the window if that's the way that you feel most inspired will really help this room to look less visually chaotic. I love that you're able to work in this room in terms of turning it into your artistic studio as well as, um, you know, entertain in this room. I sort of wish that your easel was over next to the floating shelves. So that way the floating shelves could really serve more than just visual aesthetic and, um, you know, some storage, but they could also serve as a workshelf for you as you're grabbing paints, as you're cleaning your brushes. I just think that that could be a really great artistic corner. And if you angle it, you can still see out those windows because I know for myself, as a former painter and a burgeoning painter now, I just bought some acrylic paints and a desktop easel. 
I get so much inspiration from looking at a window. And when I feel isolated or when I'm just staring at a wall, I really have a hard time feeling inspired and excited to paint. So hopefully my ideas will get you inspired and help you to create an amazing transformation. Because even if we're renters, right, even if we're staying in a space for a finite period of time, whether it's a one year lease or whether it's even month to month, you need to commit to your space. You don't want to feel transient in every aspect of your life. And when your home doesn't feel like a place that you can settle in, well, a lot of times there are other areas of your life that feel unsettled. So I rented for many, 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 many years. And each time I moved in, I made a commitment to the space that I was going to honor it and love it and devote days to getting it set up in a way that was not only functional for me, but that played to its strengths. So many of the places that I rented were small studios, were compromised, weird, converted broom closets in Manhattan, were sublets from other people that they'd used in different ways. And I had to go in there, burn some sage, and then immediately start making the space my own and honoring it, compromising with it so that together we could be in harmony for as long as I planned on being there. I hope that you guys will do the same. This is an idea in terms of committing to your space that I feel people should embrace whether they're renters or owners. I know sometimes people say, Betsy, I bought this place, but it's not my dream home. Or I've determined that I don't love living in this neighborhood and I'm going to try to sell in a few years. So I just don't want to invest. And I feel like when you don't invest time, energy and some money in your space, you'll wind up spending that time, energy and money trying to avoid your space. So I'm going to leave you with that today. If you have questions for me, feel free to send them to Betsy at affordableinteriordesign.com. And uh, until next time, guys, stay safe, stay healthy. Bye. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.